This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. It's been really good diving into the Gospel of Mark. Uh, this every chapel, every Monday chapel, uh, diving into what it looks like, and we get to see and receive the richness of Jesus um, throughout the Gospel of Mark. If we want to look and see who God is, you look to who Jesus is. And whether that's by reading the entire Gospel in one sitting, which is a great thing to do, by the way. Uh, or whether it's diving into little uh, stories here and there in, in, the, in light of the broader context, we get to see who Jesus is, a snapshot. And actually the narrative begins to come alive as we listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us through it. And I think through worship, I was really feeling, even before, that the Holy Spirit is going to say something to us, to me, and to you, um, throughout this morning. So the portion of Mark we're going to talk about today it includes one of the, the first memory verses that I learned as a kid when I was seven. My mom would dress me up, she would tuck my shirt in, and of course she would do that in front of everybody, right? Like she'd tuck my shirt in, make sure it's tucked in, she would whack some gel on my hair and comb it to the side, uh, and she would send me off to Sunday school and there, if we learn the memory verse from, that we were given the previous week, we got what every child dreams of having, candy. Here's candy. I wish I should have brought some candy. So when you're inspired by candy as a seven-year-old, you'll remember anything. You'll remember everything. But it's surprisingly, I don't remember much about my childhood. Uh, not everything was worth candy. But how cool is it that the Word of God is living? And how the word of God is relevant when it was written, and is relevant when I was seven, and is relevant today. That what got me candy when I was seven actually comforted my heart when I was 27. I'm 31 now, but it may challenge me when I'm 37. And actually, when I'm 47, I might, I might not fully believe it, but yet when I'm 57, it may need to form the core of my very being. And after 57, I'm too old to read anymore, unless there's candy involved. <laughs> but the Word of God doesn't simply tell us what to do. It shows us who we are. And the Word of God has the ability to help us realize His comfort and His rest, no matter what the season. Even in the midst of uncertainty and fear. And we're going to dive into that today. So to give you a little picture of what's happening here in Mark 4, Jesus is spending time preaching to the crowds of people using parables. He's talking to large crowds, he's sharing stories about the coming kingdom of God and how it may not look like what they expect. But not only is Jesus teaching in front of people, but he's showing people who he is behind the scenes. His words have actions. So people are seeing that Jesus is someone who brings comfort, healing, and peace. And he's not doing that to the popular self-righteous people. But he's doing that to those who are deemed outsiders. 
What Jesus is doing in the crowds is what he's doing to individuals. He's teaching to the crowds, but he's also relating to individuals, to those who need him. That his relationship with people, as we see in the Gospel of Mark, and actually as we see today, is not mass-produced. God's relationship with you is not mass-produced. However, it's specific and unique to each one of us. So Jesus is teaching, and then he retreats with his disciples to rest and to do life together. And this is where Mark 4, verse 35 picks up. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. It's evening, it's getting dark, and at Jesus' suggestion, they're out on the water. They looked at their weather app on the phone before they left out. Yeah, good, clear skies, no storm. Boom, then storm comes up. Isn't the weather app always wrong? A fierce storm came up. And I don't know if you've literally been in a boat in the middle of the lake or an ocean in the midst of a storm, and it began taking on water... I don't know if you've been there, but it's probably not a good feeling. Let's just assume that, that there's a high level of fear. And it's interesting that this was actually Jesus's idea. Is Jesus naive? Is he ignorant? Or is he some sort of dare devil? I don't know. (laughs) How do we put it? (laughs) But either way, there is this sincere fear on that boat. There was this genuine helplessness. There was this defeated feeling of, all right, this is what life is for me now. It was dark, it was disorienting. You're in danger and you feel useless and you feel helpless. Something's out of control and I'm not able to get control of it. It's a feeling that if anxiety were money, I'd be rich. A paralyzing fear. And that's what the disciples are experiencing in this moment. But it's also what we experience in our moments. Whether it's the middle of a lake, whether it's the middle of a semester, whether it's in the middle of a a conflict or a broken relationship, or maybe it's in the middle of Langley, which isn't home for you. Maybe it's in the middle of something. Maybe it's in the middle of life. And these are where these feelings seem so real, so unique, makes us feel isolated, but they're tangible. You can almost tangibleize, you can almost taste it, you can almost touch those feelings if you've ever experienced those. How is Jesus related with you in those moments? Maybe he has and maybe you feel he hasn't. What does he think of you in those moments? So the disciples are feeling this. Jesus is in the boat, but yet he seems so far away from the disciples. Let's continue on. Mark 4, 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. Yeah, that, that's really comforting. 
Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus is sleeping. How's that for a slap in the face in the midst of fear? Yeah, I just, and he's not only that, he's sleeping comfortably. He's not even stirring. Maybe he's not even having a bad dream, but yet the disciples are terrified in this moment. What does that mean? And disciples are yelling at him, God, would you wake up? Have you ever yelled at God? God, would you just wake up? Here's what I'm in the midst of. And instead of picking up an oar, instead of starting to fight against a storm, the disciples, they did something different. They actually chose to pray. And you might be thinking, well, that doesn't seem like they chose to pray. It seems like they started yelling at Jesus. Well, sometimes yelling and praying aren't so different. Right? If you can imagine going through life, sometimes yelling at God and praying to him aren't too far off. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? That sounds like a legitimate, honest prayer. And it's funny, they didn't try to get Jesus to do something. Jesus, pick up an oar. Jesus, get the life jackets. Jesus, yell mayday because there's no such thing as radios. Like, they didn't tell Jesus to do something. They actually turned to Jesus to see how he felt about it. Essentially, they were asking him, Jesus, why aren't you afraid with us? Why aren't you afraid with us? As if, Jesus, what do you know about this situation that we don't? Or do you even care about us? This is what's going on in their minds. And even though this was written a couple thousand years ago, isn't that what goes around in our minds sometimes? How can you rest in the midst of this terrifying storm, this great storm? See, Jesus was able to rest knowing who was in control. He had confidence that God, the creator of all creation, in the midst of the storm, uncertainty and fear, that Jesus actually could just allow something to happen rather than try to always do something about it. That Jesus, in his rest and trust of God, in his confidence of God, could just allow the storm to happen, allow it to take place and ride it out, rather than to fear about what was going to happen to him. It didn't generate anxiety, it generated peace. And I'm still trying to reconcile that in my heart, and maybe you are too. This is way easier said than done. Yeah, you know what, in the midst of tragedy, yeah, you know what, I'm just very peaceful today. How about you? Or in the midst of stress and overwhelming, you know what, this is a jolly good day to be a Christian, right? No, I mean, that's, let's get real here. That's, that's not easy to, to experience in life. How do we work to fight and pray and convince ourselves? How do we get to a place where we realize his comfort, his rest, and even amidst of uncertainty and fear? That it'd almost be inhumane for us to not experience fear. But yet throughout scripture, Jesus, in, di in different ways, says, do not be afraid. Yeah, easy for you to say, but what does that mean for us? 
Verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, Peace, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, I read that sometimes, and I think, what, was, what did Jesus mean? Why are you afraid? Why do you have no faith? As if that was some sort of put-down. But I don't think Jesus was, that, I don't think that was a put-down. I don't think this was condemnation or judgment from Jesus to the disciples. I don't think this was mockery or a smug, why are you afraid? Like, seriously. I believe Jesus was reassuring the disciples that this was a caring, a confident, a compassionate Jesus showing his love in the midst of sincere fear. And isn't it wonderful in the midst of our fear that Jesus doesn't mock us or flaunt his holiness, but yet he just kneels down at our level and is with us, patiently, compassionately with us. He reassures us, peace, be still. That song is still ringing around in my brain. Peace, be still. One commentary puts it, let not the wind any longer roar, nor the rage see. He stills the noise of the sea, the noise of her ways. When without our fightings, within our fears, the spirit in tumult, Christ can create the fruit of our lips. Peace. And if he say, peace, be still, there is a great calm presently, that what started as a great storm turned into a great calm. That people were so fixated on the storm that they forgot about his Savior. That if God's got this, then he's got this. And in verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? That there was this respect and awe, no longer for the storm, but for Jesus. That he was still in the boat. That he's the good shepherd but yet he's the light of the world, the creation of all. So what does that look like for you in your life? Maybe you're reflecting on moments where you've experienced fear. I know I'm reflecting on moments where I was wide awake in the middle of the night, afraid something was going to happen to me, or my back against the wall taking a deep breath to avoid a breakdown, or avoiding something just to feel like I have control over it, which isn't what reality is. What's your story? But I get to see those aha moments where I read Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? Why should I be afraid if the Lord is my light and my salvation? That he's not far out there in the storm, but he's actually in the boat with me. And he wants to bring peace. Be still and know that I am God. What does it look like for you to turn to God? Maybe yell at him or pray to him. What does it look like to turn to Jesus in the boat and say, do you, do you care about me? How do you care about me? And Jesus is just eagerly willing to say, peace, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Let's stand and pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are in the boat with us. That you don't scoff at our fear. You don't belittle us, but instead you kneel and comfort us. Help us to 
focus on you as the person and not the problem. As easy as that may sound, we give it all to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.